Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Tuesday. It's the 19th day of May 2020. Super glad that you are here. I recently finished reading a book of essays by Umberto Eco called How to Travel with a Salmon. Um, Umberto Eco was a novelist and essayist and a professor of semiotics. Uh, you might know him for The Name of the Rose, which was made into a movie. And he wrote many other books as well, including Bottolino's Dilemma, which is sometimes just called Bottolino. Uh, he's a really wonderful writer, I assume, having read no other work of his than this collection of essays, which I loved. So this collection of essays kind of came out of... a newspaper column that he wrote and then just a series of things that he wrote down not ever sure if he was going to publish and they were gathered together over i don't know maybe 10 or so years and it came out in the early 90s so i wanted to read you two things from this the first is an essay called how to deal with telegrams in the old days on receiving the mail in the morning you opened the sealed envelopes and threw away the unsealed ones now the organizations that use to send unsealed envelopes send sealed ones, even by special delivery. You open the letter eagerly, only to find some absolutely trivial invitation. Especially irritating because the highest-tech envelopes now have systems of hermetic sealing that resist letter openers, teeth, jabbing knives. Traditional glue has been replaced by quick-setting cement, the kind dentists use. Luckily, we are still safe from promotional schemes, as they always betray themselves with words like free offer on the outside in gold letters. I was taught as a child that when you are offered something free, you should promptly call the police. But the situation is getting worse. In the past, you opened telegrams with real interest, ripping the envelopes in your haste. Either they brought some piece of bad news, or they informed you of the sudden death of a long-forgotten uncle in America. Now, if someone has a message of no interest to communicate, he sends you a telegram. Telegrams fall into three categories. The imperative, you are invited to attend important conference day after tomorrow on cultivation lupins in Apulia, under Secretary Ministry of Forest presiding, please telex immediately, time of arrival. Then comes a series of acronyms and numbers occupying two pages in which naturally and happily the name of the pretentious sender is lost. The taken for granted... As per previous agreement, we confirm your participation conference regarding treatment of paraplegic koalas. Please fax immediately. Of course, there was no previous agreement, or perhaps the preliminary invitation is still en route via ordinary mail. But when the letter does arrive, it has been superseded by the telegram already discarded, and the letter then follows into the wastebasket. Finally, there is the third enigmatic category, Roundtable on Computer Science and Crocodiles Postponed as Announced. Please confirm availability new dates. What dates? What availability? Wastebasket. Now, however, the telegram has been made obsolete by the invention of overnight express delivery. In this method, which costs sums that would make Tina Brown blanch, the envelope can be opened only with the help of barbed wire cutters, and once opened, still does not disclose its contents immediately, thanks to the barrier composed of various strips of scotch tape that must be overcome. Sometimes this system is employed purely for snobbish reasons, like the ceremonies of ritual consumption studied by Mouse. All there is in the end is a little note that says hi, but hours are spent in hunting for it because the original envelope is the size of a garbage bag, and not everyone has the long arms of a Mr. Hyde. More often, the envelope has a blackmailing function and also contains a coupon for your reply. The sender is suggesting, To say what I have to say to you, I have spent an outrageous sum of money. The speed of delivery expresses my anxiousness. Since there is a prepaid reply, if you don't answer, you are a scoundrel.
Such arrogance deserves punishment. Nowadays, I open only the express envelopes that I myself have asked by telephone to be sent to me. The others I throw away, but even then they are a nuisance because they clog up the basket. I dream of carrier pigeons. Often telegrams and express envelopes announce awards. In this world, there are honors and prizes that everyone is pleased to receive. The Nobel, the Golden Fleece, the Garter, the Irish Sweepstakes, and others that require nothing but acceptance. Anyone who has to publicize a new brand of shoe polish, a retarding condom, or some sulfurous mineral water organizes an award. It is very easy to get a board of judges together. What's difficult is to find winners. That is to say, they could be found easily if the prizes went to young people at the beginning of their career, but in that case, press and TV wouldn't cover the event. So the winner, at the very least, must be Mother Teresa. But if Mother Teresa went to collect all the prizes she's awarded, the death rate in Calcutta would soar. The telegram announcing the prize, therefore, must assume an imperative tone and hint at severe sanctions in the event of refusal. Happy to inform you that this evening, within one hour, you will be given the Golden Truss stop. Your presence indispensable in order to receive unanimous vote of unbiased jury otherwise must regretfully honor someone else. The telegram presupposes that the recipient will leap to his feet, screaming, No, no, it's mine! Mine! Oh yes, I almost forgot. There are also those postcards that arrive from Kuala Lumpur signed George. George who? Another essay by Umberto Eco after this word from our sponsor. You've fought crime with Batman. You've thrilled to the adventures of Man-Bat. This summer, get ready for a whole new level of action. I need someone who can pollinate these saguaro flowers before it's too late. This looks like a job for Bat-Bat. Yes, Bat-Bat. He's pretty much a bat dressed as a bat, striking fear into the hearts of certain kinds of insects and pollinating certain desert plants. Thank you, Bat-Bat. Bat-Bat, this summer on The CW. And here's another essay by Umberto Eco from his book How to Travel with a Salmon called How to Use the Coffee Pot from Hell. There are several ways to prepare good coffee. There is the Café a la Napoletana, the Café Espresso, Café Turc, Cafecino do Brasil, French Café Filtre, American Coffee. Each coffee, in its own way, is excellent. American coffee can be a pale solution served at a temperature of 100 degrees centigrade in plastic thermos cups, usually obligatory in railroad stations for purposes of genocide, whereas coffee made with an American percolator, such as you find in private houses or in humble luncheonettes served with eggs and bacon, is delicious, fragrant, goes down like pure spring water, and afterwards causes severe palpitations, because one cup contains more caffeine than four espressos. Swill coffee is something apart. It is usually made from rotten barley, dead men's bones, plus a few genuine coffee beans fished out of the garbage bins of a Celtic dispensary. It is easily recognized by its unmistakable odor of feet marinated in dishwater. It is served in prisons, reform schools, sleeping cars, and luxury hotels. Of course, if you stay at the Plaza Majestic, at the Maria Jolanda y Brabante, at the Des Alpes at Des Bains, you can actually order an espresso, but when it arrives in your room, it is almost covered by a sheet of ice. To avoid this mishap, you ask instead for the continental breakfast, and you lie back prepared to savor the pleasure of having the day's first meal in bed. The continental breakfast consists of two rolls, one croissant, one orange juice in homeopathic measure, a curl of butter, a little pot of blueberry preserve, another of honey, and one of apricot jam, a jug of milk now cold, a bill totaling 100,000 lira, and a devilish pot full of swill. The pots used by normal people, or the good old coffee makers from which you pour the fragrant beverage directly into the cup, 
allow the coffee to descend through a narrow nozzle or beak, whereas the upper part includes some safety device that keeps the lid closed. The Grand Hotel and wagon-lit swill arrives in a pot with a very wide beak, like a deformed pelican's, and with an extremely mobile lid, so devised that, drawn by an irrepressible horror vacui, it slides automatically downwards when the pot is tilted. These two devices allow the hellish pot to pour half the coffee immediately onto the rolls and jam, and then, thanks to the sliding lid, to scatter the rest over the sheets. In sleeping cars, the pots can be of cheaper manufacture, because the movements of the train itself assist in the scattering of the coffee. In hotels, on the other hand, the pot must be of china to make the sliding of the lid easier but still devastating. As to the origin and purpose of the coffee pot from hell, there are two schools of thought. The school of Freiburg asserts that this device allows the hotel to demonstrate with fresh sheets that your bed has been duly remade. The school of Bratislava insists that the motivation is moralistic, see Max Weber, the Protestant ethic and the spirit of Catholicism. The hellish coffee pot prevents any lazing in bed because it is very uncomfortable to eat a brioche already steeped in coffee when you are wrapped in coffee-soaked sheets. The hellish coffee pot is not for sale to individuals, but is produced exclusively for the great hotel chains and for the wagon-lit company. Nor is it used in prisons where the swill is served in mess tins, because sheets soaked in coffee will be harder to detect in the darkness if knotted together for purposes of escape. The Freiburg School suggests having the waiter set the breakfast tray on the table and not on the bed. The Bratislava School responds that this indisputably avoids the pouring of coffee on the sheets, but not its spilling over the edge of the tray and soiling the pajamas. The hotel does not provide a new pair daily. And in any case, pajamas or not, coffee taken at the table falls straight on the abdomen and the genitals, producing burns where they would not be advisable. To this objection, the Freiburg School replies with a shrug. And frankly, this answer is unsatisfactory. So there are two essays by Umberto Eco from his book, How to Travel with a Salmon, which I recommend. That's it for today's show. You can find all the past episodes of A Brief Chat at abriefchat.com, where you can also become a member. Thank you so much to those of you who are already doing that, because quite honestly, that's what's putting food on our table right now. That is it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow with more of A Brief Chat. I love you. A better world is possible.